Greetings, everyone. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. This is the fourth installment of the study we're doing into the uh, Apostle Paul's letter to the, the churches at Galatia. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for studying the scriptures with me. I know that we're going to uh, both be edified and greatly encouraged in the faith as we go through Paul's letter to the Galatians together. Um, so far, we've made it through verses 1 through around verse 17 uh, of chapter 1. If you've uh, missed any of the, the previous messages, you can find them all on the Gospel Revolution Church YouTube channel. You can also find them on the Gospel Revolution Church podcast on iTunes, and you can also find them on the, the church's website at gospelrevolutionchurch.com. Um, if you would like a copy of the notes that go along with each one of the videos, we're posting a link for the notes in the comments section underneath each video on YouTube. We're also posting the notes on the church's uh, website. Um, again, that's at gospelrevolutionchurch.com. If you like to have the notes in front of you, if you're in a, a group and you're studying uh, Galatians together, you can go to the website and you can download and, and print up the notes from each uh, session, um, and you can have those notes in your hands. You can mark them up. You can write down your thoughts. You can write down your questions as you as you watch the video. Um, if you have any questions about the notes uh, or anything that's said in the notes or anything that's said in uh, any of the videos, please post your questions in the comment section uh, of the vid of each of the videos on YouTube. Um, if you're not on YouTube. You can send your questions to me by email through the website. Again, the, the website is gospelrevolutionchurch.com. Um, and what I'm going to do is at the, at the end of going through the letter, when we finished up every verse in the letter, if there's any questions, I'll, uh, I'll spend however long it takes uh, answering any of the questions that we have. Also, at the end of... Um, the study, what I'll do is, um, I'm not sure what format we'll do it in yet, but what I'll do is we'll, uh, we'll find a way to uh, publish a commentary for the letter to the Galatians. So you can have that with you um, as a study tool when you're, you're studying the scriptures, and you can have it there to help you um, discern uh, what's going on in Paul's heart when he's writing to the letter to the Galatians and, and what, what's he, what he's trying to get across as he uh, goes through it. Um, with that being said, we'll uh, pick it up um, in verse 17. Um, well, we'll I think maybe we'll, we'll, we'll go back to verse 15 because verse 17 is the latter part of a sentence. We'll pick it up with verse 15 and, and run through the end of chapter 1. This is Paul, the apostle, uh, talking to the churches in Galatia, he says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none, save James the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, 
Before God, I lie not. Afterwards, I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. Okay, so uh, we, we left off last week with uh, Paul explaining uh, that he learned his doctrine by direct revelation of Jesus Christ when he encountered the glorified man, uh, Jesus, on the road to Damascus. And, and so Paul picks it up from there. He says that he was called by grace um, into his apostleship to the Gentiles. What he says there in, in, in Galatians 1 is he uses the word heathens, which just means Gentiles. Now, when Paul says he was called by grace, what, what he's doing there is he's uh, talking about the manner in which he became an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul was made a vessel bearing the name of God to the Gentiles because of the grace that he saw in Christ when he encountered uh, Jesus on the road to Damascus. And when Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, he saw that there was a grace in Christ. And the, 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 the grace that was in Christ was that there was a strength in Christ that overcomes the death in the world. And he, he saw that the grace that was in Christ that overcomes the death in the world was for all people, whether they were, were Jewish or, or whether they were Gentiles. So when Paul saw Jesus um, on the road to Damascus, uh, having been glorified with the immortality of God and, and having been glorified um, or ju having been justified, from the body of, of death that came up upon Jesus on the cross, what happened is, is that, that Paul uh, had to reconnoiter. He had to reconsider uh, all of his theology. He had to reconsider the way that he was, was knowing people. And, and what happened there is that, that Paul no longer knew people according to the flesh. Um, Whereas before, in Paul's mind, he, he, he classified people as being Jewish or Gentile. The wall of partition that was in, it, in his mind when, when it came to Jews and Gentiles, it, it was torn down because of uh, the grace he saw manifested in Jesus or the grace he saw that had manifested in Jesus when he encountered them on the, the road to D Damascus. And so what happened is, is Paul no longer saw uh, people as being uh, separate um, from each other. He, he, never, he no longer saw Jews and Gentiles as being a, a separate people group, but he saw that they were one and the same. He saw there was one kind of race, the human race. And he saw that whether you were Jewish or Gentile, there was no way around it. All people um, had suffered at the hands of death, or all people were suffering at the hands of the death that entered the earth by Adam. And if all people were suffering at the hands of, of death, then all people were in need of being justified from that death, whether they were, were Jews or Gentiles. So Paul's encounter with the glorified uh, man, Jesus Christ, um, taught him the, the mark 
that God has for all people. And so Paul learned, he saw the mark that God has for all people inside of the, the flesh of the glorified man, Jesus. And he saw what God has in his heart for all people is that they inherit his life and his immortality inside of their physical bodies. He saw that God has a dream for, for, for all people. His dream wasn't just for Jewish people, but his dream was for all people, where they were, whether they were Jewish or Gentile. And the, the dream Paul saw that God had for everyone's life was manifested in the, the man Jesus. And so Paul saw that the mark that God has for everyone's life is for them to be clothed in the glory of, of his immortality. So when Paul saw that the end goal that God had um, for, for all people, um, when, he, when he saw the end goal God had for mankind was for the glorification of their physical bodies, he knew that all people, whether Jewish or Gentile, had missed the mark. I mean, he, he was hanging out with Jewish guys, and he was also, uh, no, I don't know, he wasn't hanging out with, with Gentile people at the time, but he saw Gentile people, and he saw that neither one of them had inherited the immortality of God in their physical bodies. So when he saw Jesus and he saw that was the mark, he said, whether you're Jewish and you receive the law or you're Gentiles and don't have the law, whether you're Jewish and you've been circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin or you're Gentiles and haven't been circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, both of you have missed the mark. And, and both the people groups were equally in need of being justified from the, the death that they were clothed in. And, and furthermore, if all people are in need of being justified from death, if everyone needs to be justified from death, then that means Jesus laid down his life for all people. Jesus didn't lay down his life for one group of people. Uh, if all people were dying and all people were suffering at the hands of death, then what it means is that Jesus laid down his life for all people. So what Paul saw was that Jesus loved people so much that Jesus was so grieved at the suffering that all people were experiencing at the hands of death that what Jesus did was he took their death into his own body on the cross so that we could be delivered from this pre present evil age and that we could live and move and have our being within the, the, the power of his indestructible life instead of um, within the weakness of, of dying flesh, or instead of living and moving and having our being within the weakness that's in, contained in dying flesh. So Paul is giving the, the he, he's explaining what sent him to the Gentiles. And he's saying he took the gospel to the Gentiles because he was arrested by the love he saw that Christ had for all people. He saw that uh, the Messiah, the Christ, the one anointed by God, wasn't just anointed to minister righteousness to Jewish people, but he saw that he was anointed by God to minister uh, righteousness to all people, whether, whether Jews or Gentiles. And he saw that the way that he went about uh, ministering God's life to people is by uh, first taking their death into himself. And he said the only reason why Jesus would take other people's death into himself, the only reason why he would lay down his life so that people could live and move and have their being uh, free from the weakness of dying flesh and uh, full of the power of his indestructible life is if Jesus was filled with love for all people. And so Paul was so touched by the, 
the love he saw Christ had for all people, that a great strength came upon him to take the message, to take the message of the grace that he saw that was in Christ, to deliver us from this present evil age, he, for, to deliver us from the death that was in this world. He felt a great strength come upon him to take that message to the Gentiles. He found strength from the love that he saw Christ had for all people. As Paul would later say in, in I think, second, his, letter to the, his second letter to the Corinthians, he was arrested by the love of Christ. That was what sent him to the Gentiles. His heart was overwhelmed with the love of God for the Gentiles, that he saw that uh, God ordained Jesus to, to be Messiah to the Gentiles also, and that Christ loved the Gentiles so much that he, he wasn't willing to let them perish, but he even took their death into himself. And so that was the, the power that was behind Paul taking uh, the message of the grace that was contained in Christ to the Gentiles. Now, uh, Paul says, after he uh, received, after he was taught his doctrine by direct revelation of, of Jesus Christ, he says he, he didn't confer um, with flesh and blood. As the King James would say, I conferred not with uh, flesh and blood. So there we have Paul. He encounters uh, the glorified man Jesus on the road to Damascus. Um, he was made an apostle for the purpose of people being persuaded by the faith that was revealed to him in Christ Jesus. And Paul says after he was taught the faith by revelation of Jesus Christ, he didn't confer with flesh and blood. What, what, what it means is he, he didn't seek counsel to sort out what he saw in Jesus there. Uh, he, he wasn't like, well, let's take a poll. <laughs> Let me go and tell these other people what I've seen in the glorified man Jesus and what I've been taught by revelation of him. <laughs> Let me go tell people what I saw there, and let's take a poll and see what, what they think it means. Paul wasn't like, uh, he wasn't taking suggestions. He wasn't seeking counsel from human beings. He didn't go and ask other people what they thought about what he saw. He didn't go and uh, survey what people thought of his doctrine to see if they approved of it or not, or thought that, that something should be added to it. He didn't form a test group and uh, sit them in a cave and uh, present his doctrine to them and see if they uh, agreed or not. But he was fully persuaded that the doctrine he received had come directly from the hand of God. And what that means is he didn't really care what anybody thought about his doctrine, and he wasn't seeking approval, and he wasn't looking for any add-ons. And the point that he's making there goes back to what we said in the beginning of chapter 1. The point that he's making is that no one had a hand in the origin of Paul's message except Christ Jesus himself. So he wasn't taught of a man, neither was he sent by a man. And if Paul had learned his message from a man, then what you could say is that he had been sent by a man. You know, just like Paul could write a letter and send it in the hands of someone else, and they would say that they were sent by Paul. Paul, who was sent by God, uh, sent me with this um, letter. So Paul says after he got his message, he, he didn't confer with flesh and blood. Verse 17 
um, says, neither, Paul says in verse 17, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again um, unto Damascus. So not only did Paul not form a focus group of random people to find out what they thought of his message, Paul says he didn't even go to Jerusalem to see the apostles and find out what they think. Um, he was so certain of what he saw in Jesus, he was fully persuaded that the doctrine that he had be, been given was from above and not from this earth, that he didn't even go try to seek the apostles and, and find out what they think. But Paul says, I went into Arabia and then into Damascus. Um, for Paul says he went into Arabia. Um, I, so far for me, it's unclear um, what he did in Arabia, um, if anything, um, other than uh, preach the gospel there. Um, so I haven't, I hadn't seen it. And listen, I don't know every scripture, so I, I, I might not know or I might have missed it. But I hadn't seen anything in the verses that outline exactly what, what Paul was doing in Arabia. Um, if, you look at, if you look at Acts 9, um, the way it, it seems to break out is that, is that Paul first went into Damascus. Uh, that's when he would have saw uh, Ananias and then into Arabia before going back to Damascus. And so you could kind of find uh, this same account that Paul's referring to his footsteps or his movements after uh, being taught by direct revelation of Jesus Christ. You can find a, a sister account of that in Acts 9. And it says that, that Paul went into Damascus and he was still blind from uh, the glory that he saw manifested inside of the physical body um, of Jesus. And it says that he went into Damascus and he prayed there, and uh, God sent uh, a man named Ananias uh, to Paul, and, and Ananias prayed for, for, for Paul. Uh, he was still Saul then, and, and Acts says that the scales fell off of his eyes, and he, he was baptized. Uh, maybe the baptism was, was with water, um, but uh, I think for me that what it, what it means is that Paul was, was baptized um, with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts 9 goes on to say that, that after uh, Paul prayed and, uh, and God sent Ananias to, to pray for him and the scales fell off of his eyes and he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, that, that for a time there, Paul um, hung out in Damascus. He stayed in Damascus for a while. Um, and, and it says that he was preaching uh, that Christ is the Son of God in the synagogues which I'm sure uh, didn't go over well. And you can see an account in Acts that it didn't go over that well. Uh, Acts 9 says that he uh, was confounding the Jews that were at Damascus, proving to them that Jesus uh, was, in fact, the Christ. Um, verse 18, Paul goes on to say, Then after my time in Arabia and Damascus, uh, after three years, so three years go by, after three years, Paul says, he, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days, but other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Uh, now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Um, there was more than one uh, 
Apostle James in in the scriptures. You have James, who was uh, the the brother of John. I think the the scripture calls him the sons of thunder. Um, he was the first apostle, I think, that was martyred, um, and he died by the sword uh, at the hands of Herod. Um, he was the first uh Apostle James. There was two total apostles that were named James, and the other apostle that was named James, as Paul says right here, is uh, the Lord's uh, brother. And uh, James, who was the Lord's brother, was known as James the Just. He was the the leader of the Jerusalem church. Um, he's the one you can read about in in Acts chapter fifteen, who says that he never sent the Judaizers to to Galatia. Um, he was uh, one of the pillars in the Jerusalem church there. He, he was also later martyred, and the way he was martyred is he was thrown off the roof of the temple. Um, and uh, there's some accounts that, that say he was um, then stoned and beaten to death after he was thrown from the roof of, roof of the temple. I don't know if uh, he, he didn't. Uh, pass away up, upon immediately hitting the ground, or if, if um, and that's why they they stoned him and beat beat him to death after he hit the ground, or if that was just for added measure to try and uh, heap uh, shame upon uh, shame, at least in in the world's eyes. So listen, Paul uh, he makes his movements um, an open book. Uh, after encountering Jesus on the road to Damascus. And, and the reason he, he makes, it, makes his movements an open book to the Galatians is because he, he doesn't want them to, or he wants them to know there isn't any deceit um, under his tongue. There's no deceit in, in what he's saying to them regarding the source of his doctrine. Um, and he, 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 he's like, listen, he, he's like, listen, guys, um, I've got nothing to hide. Um, what I've said about where I got my message and where my apostleship was ordained, um, it, it's, it's the truth and I lie not. There, I have nothing to hide. I, I'm not trying to deceive you. And in fact, here's everywhere I went and when I went there so that you could see um, why I was where I was and um, where I formulated um my message. And so Paul is going to great lengths to to prove to the, the Galatians that he wasn't taught his message from fallible man. And he also wants the Galatians to know, and we'll continue to see him build on this as he goes into chapter two. He also wants the Galatians to know that um, God put him on the same level as the other apostles, that even though he his apostleship was uh, was born out of a different time than the than the other apostles, um, he wants the Galatians to know that he lacks no authority when it comes to the knowledge of Christ, that, that he's, he stands in the same authority as the other apostles when it, when it comes to the knowledge of the mystery that was unveiled in Christ. And he, he wants the Galatians to understand his authority um, and his knowledge in the mystery that was revealed in Christ. And the reason he wants them to know that isn't so he can lord it over their faith, but so that they can discern the truth from the lie going forward. He, he doesn't want them to ever be deceived or moved away 
from the the grace of Christ. And so um, should somebody else come along the way, whether it be Paul himself or, or someone else or even angels, and, and teach the Galatians a different message, he wants them to understand the authority of the doctrine he taught them and the authority of his apostleship and how he he didn't receive his message from fallible man so that they could uh, go forward knowing was knowing that what Paul taught them was the only truth. It wasn't corrupted by man. There was nothing added onto it by man. And it comes in the same authority as the message of those who walked with Jesus before he went to the cross. Glory to God. So Paul says it was more than three years after he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus that he met Peter and James. And he didn't meet any of the other apostles. He, he only met those two. Um, and he didn't meet those two, Acts 9 says, until Barnabas took Paul to to meet the other uh to meet the apostles in fact the the disciples were kind of uh, leery of paul because all that they knew about paul the, the the disciples at jerusalem and the apostles all they had heard about paul is that uh he was persecuting the the church that he was wreaking havoc um on the body of believers and, and locking them up in jail and so it, it wasn't until after three years that paul had had first encountered jesus that that barnabas found Paul preaching the gospel boldly in Damascus and that he was boldly preaching in the synagogues in the name of Jesus. And so Paul took, uh, or Barnabas took Paul to Jerusalem to uh, the disciples there um, and told them that he was preaching boldly in the name of Jesus and that he was now a disciple himself. And that's when Paul ran into Peter and James, but he didn't run into the other apostles. And um, the 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 reason Paul brings it up is so that they could know that he didn't go to meet the apostles to be taught doctrine, and neither did he even go there to bring up his doctrine with the apostles. I mean, he was only there for, for 15 days, so there there wasn't like a, a time of, of long studying or classroom <laughs> classroom teaching that Paul went through to learn his message. And so the point that, that's being made here is that Paul had already been preaching the gospel for three years by the time he met uh, the disciples at Jerusalem, and by the time he came across any of the apostles, um, and the only two were, were Peter and James, Paul had already been preaching for the gospel for three years at that time. And so the point Paul is making is how could he have been taught his message by the other apostles if he was preaching the message of grace before he ever met any of the other apostles, and since he was uh, feared amongst many of the disciples in the world, how could he have learned his message from any of the disciples um, when he hadn't met any of them yet and when he had been preaching for three years prior to meeting any of them? And so Paul was giving further evidence of the custody of his message and how you could know that it didn't come from a man. He he goes on in, um, forgive me for one second. He goes on in uh, verse 21 to say he's still tracing his, his steps so that there's no uh, break in uh, retracing the, the, the custody of his message. He says afterwards, after I, I met, uh, two of the apostles, James and, and Peter. Uh, afterwards, I came into the regions of Syria 
and uh, Cilicia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which he once destroyed. Now, Cilicia was, uh, was Paul's hometown or the region that he, he hailed from. And the capital of Cilicia was, was Tarsus, which is where uh, Paul was born. Um, Syria is the, the district uh, where the city of Caesarea um, was. And if you go and read Acts chapter 9, I think it's uh, around verse 30, um, it says that, that Paul was in Jerusalem disputing with the, the Grecians concerning the gospel and that uh, I guess the, Greece, the Grecians didn't, didn't appreciate what Paul was saying. They didn't appreciate uh, Paul preaching about the, the resurrection uh, from the dead. And uh, they set about to to kill Paul because uh, of what he was was preaching there. Um, now the brethren at Jerusalem, the disciples at Jerusalem, they Acts tells us that uh, they heard the Grecians sought to kill Paul, and they brought him down to uh, Caesarea, and that from Caesarea Paul uh, went about uh, to go into his hometown of Tarsus. And so you can go and look on the map, and Caesarea was a, a part of Syria. And if you uh, go and look, the Caesarea was a little ways over for Jerusalem. And when the Grecians sought to kill Paul because of the message he preached, maybe he was preaching against their gods. Um, uh, we know he was witnessing of the resurrection. And uh, what the, the brethren did, the disciples did, is they, they snuck him out. Uh, they got him out, I think, in the middle of the night, or they snuck him out when no one could see him, and he, he, they got him off into Caesarea. And then from Caesarea, um, he went into uh, his hometown of Tarsus, which is in Cilicia. Um, it, the Scripture doesn't really say exactly why he, he went that way, um, but maybe they thought the safest place for him to be at the time was in uh, his hometown of Tarsus. Um, Paul says that the, the, the churches of Judea or the people that were of Judea, um, that were in Christ, that they, they hadn't seen his face. They didn't know who he was. They had no idea what he looked like, but they had heard only that the one that, uh, was persecuting us in times past now preaches the faith, which he once, um, tried to destroy and uh, Paul says in verse 24 that they glorified God in him. So the disciples in uh, Judea glorified God in, in Paul. Um, when, they, when they heard of the, the, the change that, that happened in Paul, um, when they heard that, that Saul, who was busy arresting Christians, and was throwing them in jail, and was, was charging them with uh, violating the law of Moses, and was charging them with blasphemy and, and, and being heretics. When, when they heard that that guy, Saul, um, had be, had, was changed and was now known as Paul, they, they knew that, it, that Paul's life had to have been brought forth um, by, by God himself. If 
this guy was previously trying to uh, kill Christians or throw them in jail and was consenting even unto Stephen's death, who was a mighty evangelist. And now we see this guy um, no longer uh, persecuting the faith, which he once was wreaking havoc upon. It can only mean that this guy's life has now been born from above. It's no longer born from the dust of the ground, but this guy's life has been brought forth um, or, or been, it's been begotten by the incorruptible seed or the, the word of truth that, that is Christ. And so they, they, they knew that if Paul uh, was now preaching the faith, that it had to be the strength of God that was, that was working in Paul. And so when Paul says they glorified God in me, what it means is that um, God's strength was magnified in their eyes. God's grace was magnified in their hearts. When they saw this change that had happened in Paul, they knew that it was, it, as Peter said, as Jesus said to Peter, that flesh and blood hadn't revealed this to Paul, that for such a drastic change to have taken place, that uh, the Father of lights in heaven had to have revealed this to Paul himself. And um, man, the, the grace of God was magnified in their eyes. Their hearts made much of the strength of God's hand. When they saw the change that had come to Paul, uh, they saw that, man, the grace of God, it can raise the dead. <laughs> the grace of God can raise the dead. And almost on equal footing with raising the dead, man, the grace of God can even take a guy who's persecuting people uh, who call upon the name of, of Jesus. The, the grace of God is, is so much. It, it's, it's, so, it's so much more than the, the strength of the world or the, the strength contained in, in man's hands that that even should a guy be persecuting people for calling Jesus Lord, man, the grace of God can take that same guy and fashion that guy into the likeness of a preacher of the faith. They can even take that guy who was the chief of all sinners, the guy who, who wasn't just uh, privately and individually re rejecting uh, Jesus, but man, he... He, and he wasn't just encouraging people, other people to reject Jesus, but man, he was even trying to destroy people who were believers of the way. And if, if God could, if, if, if a guy who, who was doing that could now come on the scene as an apostle of the faith that he once persecuted, that man, uh, the disciples, all they could say was, oh, the wisdom and majesty of God and the power and strength and might of God's arm to bring forth a person's life out of the grave and out of death and out of uh, the corruption that's born from death. Glory to God. You know, and Paul's conversion is an amazing testimony of the, the, the truth of, of, of Jesus Christ. Um. It's it's a it's a it's a tremendous historical testimony of the faith that we preach and how we know it could be true. Um, just I mean, yes, we believe from the heart and it's we believe by faith. But but even I don't even want to say but um, what I want to say is from an intellectual perspective, um, from an academic perspective, uh, it's a tremendous testimony to the truth of the faith that we preach. It's a tremendous testimony to Jesus Christ uh, having been physically raised from the dead that this guy, Paul, 
um, started preaching the faith, that he turned away from, from persecuting those who believed on the faith uh, to actually being an apostle of the faith. I mean, when you, when you think about what, what had to happen for Paul to now preach the faith, I mean, it, 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 it's evident that he had to have encountered the, the physical Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. It's evidence that he had to have seen the guy that he knew was crucified on the cross um, and, and buried in the grave. It, it's evidence that he had to see that guy now having been glorified uh, in his physical body with the immortality of God. It's evidence that he ha- that there, that there's, it's historical evidence that, that Paul really encountered the resurrected Jesus. I mean, think about what this guy Paul had. I mean, he, he had citizenship in, in both Rome and Jerusalem. He, he was well-educated. He was well-taught. Paul wasn't um, Saul. Paul, when he was Saul, he he wasn't um, down on his luck. He came from a well-to-do family. He received uh, the best schooling. He was born in an area that that gave him citizenship of Rome, as well as being uh, a Hebrew of the Hebrew of the tribe of of of, ben, of the stock of of Benjamin. And so Paul had uh, serious pedigree, and he, as a Jewish person, to have uh, uh, Roman citizenship meant something. That's why when when Paul was was put in jail. Or when they they went to take him and put him in prison, he claimed his Roman citizenship, and he said, "Will you throw a Roman citizen in jail without having given him a trial?" And so Paul had a lot of influence. He had a lot of pedigree. He was well educated. He uh, came from money. Um, he he said he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Um, as concerning the righteousness uh, of the works of the law. Uh, the righteousness that uh, the the Jewish people believed was found in performing the works of the law, he he says he was blameless. He he studied under Gamaliel, um, who was one of the most esteemed rabbis in the the Jewish culture of of that day. You you could even make a, a compelling argument that uh, Paul, uh, if he wanted to, could have ended up being high priest. Um, I know the high priest was was supposed to be ordained according to uh, birth, but uh, the 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 Pharisaical system broke from that from that tradition. Um, I'm not sure exactly when, but they had broke from that tradition by the time Caiaphas was high priest, and Paul maybe even could have ended up being high priest, and and so Paul had all the esteem and the honors that the world could give somebody. He had all the riches that the, the world could, could give somebody. You, you could even say that he was a giant in the earth. He was a mighty man um, of renown, that his exploits and that uh, the riches and honor that he had from the world were well known by the people around him. And so this guy, Saul, who has everything um, and is... Uh, persecuting people preaching the faith all of a sudden one day this guy uh Saul lays down all the honor and riches that he gained from the world he lays it down he counts it as nothing and he exchanges favor to for persecution 
He goes from having an easy life to not even being able to walk in the streets without people wanting to stone him to death and to kill him. He goes from being honored by man to having no honor of man and having both uh, Gentile people and Jewish people seeking his life and seeking to, to put him to death. He, he goes from, from being esteemed to being put in jail. And so, listen, why would this guy Paul lay it all down? Why would this guy, Paul, he didn't just change his mind. I mean, it's one thing if he changed his mind and said, well, I, I was against the faith, but now I preach the faith and, you know, I get to keep all of my riches. But no, he lost everything for the faith and he counted it all as gain. He, he laid it all down. He laid his honor down. He laid his riches down. He laid his positions down. He laid the, the, the glory he had from the world, the respect he had from the world. He laid it all down and he laid it all down for being despised so that he could be smitten and stricken with the Lord Jesus. He laid it all down So uh, for persecution. He, he laid down a cushy, comfortable life for a life of nonstop persecution, where every day he was given over for death, where every day his life was in danger of being overcome by the death that was in the world. Now listen, a person doesn't do that out of the blue. Neither do they do it of their own strength. But the only way a person could do something like that is if they had actually encountered the resurrected Jesus Christ and saw that death had been overcome inside of his flesh, that this guy had died in weakness and in shame, that this guy had died having been clothed in a flesh that was put to death and laid in a grave, and that this guy came out of the grave not with dead flesh, but he, not with zombie-like flesh that was decaying or that was perishable, but he came out of the grave and glorified immortal flesh that could never taste weakness or be corrupted by death again. Now, the only way <coughs> Paul would count the affliction he was exchanging for the honor that he had as being light is if he really encountered Jesus and saw that this man Jesus overcame the grave, that this man Jesus, the death that came upon him at the cross, was overcome inside of his physical body. And if Paul had a certainty of that same life manifesting in him, that's the only way he would exchange his belief. That's the only way he would go from persecuting the faith to now being an apostle of the faith. That's the only way he would consider everything that he lost from the world as gain, as if he actually saw the life he could gain inside of the resurrected man, Jesus, on the road to Damascus. And so listen, man, um, I don't get into apologetics often, but if you ever get into an academic conversation about um, the, the historical evidence that Jesus was raised from the dead, Paul says uh, that he was seen by, uh, by Mary, then by Peter, then of the remaining 12, and um, by 500 brethren, um, brothers and sisters in the Lord, and also by him as of one that, whose apostleship was born out of uh, due time. You could uh, reference um, Paul's dramatic conversion when you're, you're talking about the historical evidence um, that Jesus was, in fact, raised from the dead. Glory to God. And, in fact, there's more primary uh, source evidence that, G, that the man Jesus did live, that he was crucified, and that he was raised from the dead. There's more secondary source information proving those things than most uh, historical events that, that many people uh, 
just accept as fact. And so Paul, Paul, listen, you don't go from having believers killed to being a believer. You don't go from being wealthy to laying it all down for persecution except by the power of God's might. And unless you really saw the, the Lord Jesus glorified with immortal flesh. Um, we'll, we'll, let's just, we'll read uh, verse 1 of chapter 2 so we can get, uh, and then we'll pick it up from there so we can just get uh, an idea of what's happening there. Chapter 2, uh, verse 1, um, Paul says, Then 14 years after, 14 years after I was uh, in Jerusalem, seeing the two of the apostles, hanging out with the disciples, um, ushered off into Caesarea and into Tarsus. Um, then 14 years after all of that, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. So Paul says, it wasn't until 14 years after I was originally in Jerusalem and met two of the apostles that I went back to Jerusalem. Now, Paul brings this up because he did go to Jerusalem at some point to talk doctrine. Um, but the point Paul's going to get into now is uh, that when he went to Jerusalem to talk doctrine, he didn't go to be uh, taught doctrine. Neither did he go uh, for approval of his doctrine. But as we go continue to go through chapter 2, we'll see that that Paul uh, went into Jerusalem the second time to stand in defense of the gospel that he had already been preaching for what looks like um, upwards of 17 years. And so Paul's drawing the timeline. If these Judaizers are telling you that I was in Jerusalem, and because I was in Jerusalem, that means I got my message from a man, let me tell you exactly the timeline for when I was in Jerusalem, and let me tell you what went on when I was there, and then let me tell you about when I did go to Jerusalem to talk doctrine, not to be taught doctrine, but let me tell you that when I did go to Jerusalem to talk doctrine, it wasn't to get the approval of my message, but it was to stand in defense of the message I have already been preaching for 17 years. And so Paul is, is laying it out there that if the accusation of the Judaizers is that Paul was taught by fallible man and that because he was taught by fallible man, he wasn't on the same level as the other apostles, Paul responds by saying that he was, he was preaching the message he was taught by the Lord Jesus for 17 years before he ever searched out the apostles to talk doctrine. We'll, we'll leave it off there. We'll pick it up there uh, next week. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for your love for the gospel and your love for the scriptures. Uh, please know that you are in our hearts and our prayers. Blessings.